Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, it's Sherry Alberoni, and you're listening to TV Confidential. One of the facts of life about television, particularly network primetime television, is that roughly 80% of all shows that premiere on network television will not last beyond its first season. Not only that, in many cases, most new shows that premiere will never last beyond its first 10 or 13 episodes. But just because a show is canceled after one season, that does not mean it was a bad show. More often than not, folks, the reasons why most shows fail to last beyond its first season have as much to do with time slots, competition, and other factors that are beyond its control. And here to talk about uh, some of these shows is our friend Bob Leshek. Bob is the author of single season sitcoms, 1948, 1979, a great new book that casts a spotlight on some of the many notable comedy series from the first 30 years of television that, for one reason or another, only lasted one season. Now, one of the things we talked about last time you were on is um, one of the reasons why uh, some shows do not last beyond the first season. It has to do with not so much the actor, but the actor competing uh, against himself or at least competing against the audience's memory of his previous role. We talked about that a little bit with regard to Larry Hagman. Another classic example is uh, what, what Andy Griffith faced twice in 1971 when he came back after the Andy Griffith show. Yes, he had Headmaster, which a lot of people were, were surprised because it, it dealt with some subjects that uh, that the Andy Griffith show had never dealt with before, and, and it just failed very, very quickly. So suddenly they restructured, and within a few weeks he had the new Andy Griffith show with a very similar scene to, it was, it was another rural community, uh, community, and he was a mayor pro tem, and uh, he had a wife and, and, and a kid, and they even brought back for the debut episode some of the old Andy Griffith show people. <laughs> Which is bizarre. <laughs> just didn't happen, it just didn't yeah, and then um, a couple of years later, Nancy Walker went through the same thing. Meaning, you know, she tried two new sh- two shows in the same season, and neither one of them catched on. That's very hard for an actor. Yeah, and and her first show was actually pretty good. It was a Norman Lear show, the Nancy Walker show, with William Daniels mm-hmm. and had a great cast, and Beverly Archer as as her very funny daughter, her her hangdog. Uh, expression always at the door hello mother uh, it was it was a very funny show and there don't seem to be many episodes of that around i have not been able to see that since it first aired in the 1970s but uh, i i guess she uh, restructured and came back with blansky's beauties a few weeks later from the same people who brought us happy days but once again uh, just didn't catch on she, i guess she was as the focal point of a show she couldn't catch on as, as she did as a secondary character in both Family Affair and uh, and Rhoda. Yeah, there are many examples of that, including uh, many examples of, of that in your book. Uh, Paul Lynn went through that in, in the years after Bewitched. I mean, he was he was he was great as Uncle Arthur on Bewitched. He was, you know, and of course, he was the reason many of us watched 
Hollywood squares, but he seemed to be one of those actors who was best taken in small doses and not as the lead in, 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 a, in, a, in his own show. Yeah, even though the Paul Lynn show was a very funny show, it was, it was kind of unbelievable, uh, the, the whole scenario there with, with uh, him as the patriarch of, of, a, of a large family. But it, it certainly was funny, but the competition beat it out. It was on Wednesday nights, and I think it moved to Saturdays for mm-hmm. a while. Interesting, if, if, if I remember correctly, the premise of that show was actually a reworking of a pilot he had done about 10 years earlier. Called about, Howie. Called Howie, that's right. Uh, and I think Bill Asher was also involved uh, with, with that as well. Yes, he was. And, and I talked to uh, Sherry Alberoni, who was uh, in the pilot. She wasn't in the series, but uh, she, she said Paul was great to work with. She had just wonderful things to say. I, I think he uh, became a little bit caustic in later years, but uh, she, she loved working with him. She said he was always smiling, always making her laugh. Uh, that was 1962. Yeah. And it's just amazing that that whole premise of that series took 10 years to actually gel into an actual series with him playing the same character. And in fact, the debut episode is very similar in very, both the pilot and uh, the first episode of the Paul Lynn show. Very, very, very similar. The only real difference is that the pilot for Howie, as it was called in the in, in 1962, was done black and white, whereas the Paul Lynn show was 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 filmed in color, as was everything uh, in in the early by the time we got to the 70s. But what I remember from the Paul Lynn show, and I don't remember whether this was this was the pilot or one of the early shows, but there is a wedding. I remember a scene where there's there's a wedding that takes place in his swimming pool, which goes back to the unrealisticness yeah. of, of some of the premise. <laughs> but what I remember is after after making some kind of reaction like you got to be kidding you want me to step inside the swimming pool in my you know $300 suit mm-hmm. uh Paul's uh Paul Lynn cracks my my suit's permanent press but my shoes aren't <laughs> so he take he takes his <laughs> shoes off and uh uh it, but but again it's just it was it, it was one of those things that sometimes you you have a lot of talented people behind the scenes but for for one reason or another a show just doesn't gel not always a guarantee. The star power doesn't always pay off. In fact, a lot of people from the movies have tried to make it in television. Some have, and, and some just never made that transition. Like Mickey Rooney was never able to. Jimmy Stewart wasn't able to. And, and there are countless others. But some did. The, uh, Doris Day did very well, of course, and Ann Southern, and, mm-hmm. and the list goes on. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit FrontPorchRealtyGroup.com for more information on how they can help you.